I have often asked myself, what is the number one solution to climate change? What is the single most effective use of the limited time that humanity has to effect any kind of tangible change on the single greatest threat to our peaceful existence? Within the grandest keep of things, in what way can I best help fight against this seemingly apocalyptical future that we're all steadfastly marching towards? Well, it turns out I'm not the only one to ask that question. And although there exist a multitude of answers to these questions, I now realize that the only real way that we can help to restore nature to its former glory is by unequivocally and wholly extracting ourselves from certain spaces and thereby allowing nature to operate its highly sophisticated and finely tuned technology. It is our hubris that makes us believe that we have it in us to quote-unquote save the planet. Now that being said, there are however some things that individuals can do to facilitate this transit back to the state of nature. Based on calculations done by some very very smart people, it is estimated that food, agriculture and land use related activities have the potential of reducing and sequestering a mammoth 273 gigatons carbon dioxide equivalent from the atmosphere by 2050 if sustainable practices are implemented. Now I was quite pleased to figure out that the single most effective individual battle against climate change can therefore only be fought and won on the battlefield of the farm. Therefore for my first episode I can see no person more fitting than Mr. Prithviraj Ghorpade who, although an engineer and MBA by education, has spent the last 25 years shaping not only a beautiful, bountiful, thriving 10-acre organic farm, but has also shaped my mind, thoughts, and indeed the core of who I am. He's my dad, guys, for those who hadn't realized. Our discussion was not only enlightening as to the many actions that human beings can do, but in fact was a lesson in how maybe doing is something that we should try not to. What is man's relation with land? How do we try to make that relationship sustainable? And indeed, more fundamentally, what it meant to be sustainable in the first place are answers I attempted to unearth in this week's episode of What on Earth. <laughs> I have with me Mr. Prithviraj Ghorpade. Thank you so much for joining me, Mr. Ghorpade. Why don't you walk us through some of your, the beginning of your farming career, you know, sort of how did you end up there uh, from a background in engineering and MBA? How did you become an organic farmer? Well, first of all, uh, thank you, Maitreya, for uh, chatting with me about something that uh, I didn't know was worth chatting about, but anyways. Um, so how did I, yeah, I think uh, my background was as far-fetched as it could get uh, from farming, um, uh, boring engineering and MBA type stuff, um, running a business in Delhi and um, as it happens uh, in life, uh, I chanced upon this book um, by by Masanobu Fukuoka yeah. and um, 
in the sense that book uh, did hit me like a ton of bricks because it, it questioned almost uh, uh, every single perspective that one had on how to go about things and uh, the recurring thought that came to my mind after I finished reading the book uh, was that if what he was saying was true then a lot of design changes could happen in life. Design changes such as? Uh, in the way you one designed one's life, one way one designed one's livelihood, one way one designed one's uh, health, one way one designed one's diet, etc. So, uh, and then from that, leading from that, if that individuals did that, then probably it would affect social orders, etc. But that was far away from my mind. Uh, what really struck me was that he talked about uh, a new way of looking at nature. And uh, that got me kind of worked up about trying to understand what he was talking about, which was basically the whole subject of natural farming. Uh, so for many, uh, for several years, I continued to think that he was actually talking about natural farming. And I went on to study it uh, with the kind of uh, access one had to you know, books in that era, which was almost 40 years ago, uh, you know, whatever one could lay one's hand on, one tried to read up and understand this whole concept. And then um, after several years of doing lots of reading on this subject and uh, kind of fairly being fairly certain that I was a world authority on the subject, I realized that I hadn't done a single day of practice in that. And, uh, and so it my thought kind of centered around that for several months because I was engaged in business uh, in Delhi and and then I thought I should just take some time off from business to check out whether what uh, this gentleman from Japan was saying was true and um, and that's what I did then uh, uh, in a sense uh, one can't really get out of the kind of box that one's mind is engaged in and so I thought, um, you know, that if, you know, a crop takes normally three, four months and, you know, if I were to test out what he was saying on, say, maybe, a, you know, a dozen crops, that would be about three, four years. So I thought if I took four years, that would be sufficient for me to get a hang of what he was saying. And, and then I could go, you know, life would go back to where it was uh, before those four hours, four years started. And um, as it happened, uh, so we got a farm and I just started working on it and you know the first day you realize that you don't really understand anything. Uh, all those 10 years of reading is not worth you know 20 minutes on the farm. Mm -hmm. And then I got down to making a series of very stupid mistakes which you know any uh, anyone who knows any farming would laugh at. Um, and But this much was definitely true that after four years actually I forgot that I had to go back and I never went back and uh, you know I'm still at it and I and I realized many years later that he was not just talking about farming actually he was talking about uh, the whole whole new world and uh, and then of course you know although it seems like he was central to how to how what changed my my the direction of my career um, the way, I mean, what he said was, 
has gone deep enough for me to let go of him. He's not anymore. Uh, so for many years, I thought I could follow his technique, and then it took me a while to realize that actually uh, he wasn't talking of technique, and he was talking about something far more basic. And what he was saying was actually that uh, after you've done everything that you can do, uh, you will realize that uh, actually nature had done it much better. And that if you did that according to how nature has designed it, by understanding how nature has designed it, then not only is your work much less, but what you produce is much better. Mm. And so one began to see that actually the design was meant for human beings to, to actually just pick fruits from trees that nature has grown and to not go through the exercise of trying to make more fruit mm. uh, because in doing in doing that actually we let go and we lose out on some other things which we then have to work hard to again regain so it's kind of a vicious cycle that you uh, want to eliminate and and that's what uh, actually this whole fascinating journey with uh, with which started with natural farming and so and then having done that i realized that actually i I have very little control about over the most vital things in my life, you know, food, air, water. And uh, I felt that it was important for me to regain that, uh, that control if I were to be able to really live an independent life. If I were to really live a life that is not um, a subject of what is going on uh, on the political scene or what is going on uh, in in the social hierarchy or what is going on on the uh, uh, on on the economic uh, horizon then i will need to actually have full control over those things that are most vital to me and so also i thought that the food that i eat was completely out of control uh, from individuals and and i think the only way that one could get back that um, was to actually be involved in one way or the other with the production of food mm -hmm. and and out of food comes health so actually it's almost a natural corollary and so uh, also began this whole fascinating journey of uh, of of working with one's body in order to understand how uh, how health happens and how you know what is the meaning of illness yeah. and so yeah so how did i get into it yeah by chance and you know it just like because that field that ocean was so deep and so inviting that you know i had no urge to get out of it you know and so that's really yeah. how what finds me still at the farm fascinated like still like a young student uh, of, of of life i guess and this is almost 25 years later yeah more than 25 years 25 later. yes yeah well a lot to unpack in that i'd like to start with uh, this idea of uh, the amount of control that humans exercise or rather these ideas that we have regarding the amount of control that we ultimately exercise on something like farming so the sort of uh, popular narrative surrounding farming's uh, uh, farming is 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 all centered around this idea that the the more that we sow, you know, the more that uh, the bigger the bounty will be, the more uh, the more fancy our scientific technology uh, gets upgraded, the better the pr productivity will be. You know, the more we learn how to manipulate nature, the better uh, our lives will be. So, sort of 
can you uh, tell us whether these uh, you know popular narratives have any holding in reality how does uh, every any individual sort of uh, have an effect on a farm you know if if you're uh, if you if you want to become a farm or if or if you want to venture down that path uh, are these classical ideas or rather these popular ideas of of what makes a, a successful farm really even valid anymore so i think uh um although man has tried to kind of get a hold of um uh nature's work for many centuries but i think this urge to completely dominate it and um and kind of treat it like a vassal has happened i think far more intensely after the uh, discovery of um of of petroleum and of of uh, fuel that could fuel uh human strength you know which suddenly added this whole new ace in 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 the pack um so i felt after uh, the huge and very uh, almost universal growth of of the industrial uh, spread of the industrial revolution i think what happened was that um, and because of the huge success uh and some may put that in 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 what it comes but um that that success that happened out of being able to um uh, use external forces to um uh, a non human non animal forces to control processes of production suddenly enabled you to kind of look at production differently and uh, i think at some point down the road uh, human beings began to look at the farm as a production unit and yeah. and the moment you kind of do that then your whole perspective is to do exactly what you would do in a factory which is um, to increase efficiency to increase uh, productivity to increase uh, yield per uh, unit of effort um, and unit of cost um, but actually um, the whole notion of the industrial revolution was based on uh, on single dimension of of what was cons- what constituted production for that particular factory now almost every factory uh, of that era and, and all through till today um, that produces something produces something else that is of almost no worth uh, to that process and is actually a, a weight on on the rest of of uh, of the planet and i think that's what's happened again with the farm that um, in trying to do something about increasing crop yields uh, we we lose out on something else and i think uh, the whole magic that nature has woven for eons has simply been that um, it it was able to create value for everybody and um, and trouble for none and and that design i feel is the most sustainable the most uh uh profound in a, in a way that actually no one is compromised and i think that's what uh, essentially humans have wanted now to change and and i think the whole idea of trying to look at the farm as a as a unit of production as a means of uh, producing more <clears throat> has been counterproductive to the extent that uh with much more effort with much more 
uh, use of energy uh, if you take per unit of energy uh, we find that farm yields have actually dropped uh, not only that but actually if you take in the costs of uh, how that which had has not to be done on nature is done then if you take the cost of of trying to undo that you know in terms of uh, the wild chemicals that are used as poisons or uh, the excessive use of fertilizers uh, none of which were required uh, uh, it's only been and, and uh, as you notice that the use and the, the need for these continues to grow as time goes by which only means that actually this isn't the right way uh, so anyway the, the point is that actually is it right I think it's a matter of really perspective if you are going to be single dimensional in your demand that you just need more uh, more crop then I guess it this would be the method to do that but if it meant that you have a better planet you have really good food I mean none of uh, a large part of what is grown actually is not even edible yeah. because it should not be eaten uh, by humans. Uh, but you know, if you you know are to look at it again from the single dimension of you know how many calories does it give? So the whole idea is to actually for uh, forsake the whole multi-dimensional, almost infinite dimensions of nature and and concentrate on a few dimensions and want to increase something or decrease something. And so to me it's a it's a narrow view and and because it's such a narrow view I think the yields from such are in total narrow. Yeah. And so the idea is that is it possible for us to uh, relook at that and I think the truth is right now it seems almost impossible because the train is kind of really chugging along. Uh, but those of us who have been able to take some time off and do something have discovered that actually uh, you can create amazing food with much less effort. Yeah. Uh, you know, farmers were meant to actually uh, have leisure. Uh, you know, the crafts boomed in, in rural uh, economies simply because farmers had time to, to indulge in them. And I think uh, if you see the farmer of today, he's just overworked i mean he just doesn't have any time off there's no question of leisure and and, and therefore there are no crafts that develop around uh, around uh, farms and so i think the loss is multi-dimensional and uh, i think the gains are like i said in in a limited set of stuff and so i think it's a call that uh, people have to take on whether it makes sense to uh, engineer that which actually has been already perfectly engineered uh, and uh, and to to you know to call a uh, uh, you know to, to take a call on really what our own limitations are that we maybe we don't really understand this and and trying to use uh, throw technology at something that already is a very very advanced technology uh, is to my mind is not uh, is not really it could be counterproductive and I think there are enough, uh, there's enough evidence to prove that. Oh, okay, so again, there's a lot to unpack in that and uh, let's start with the idea of uh, treating a farm as a factory. Now, that's something that uh, really strikes me as someone who has uh, uh, in the recent uh, past undergone uh, his education uh, is that we treat our universities and our schools exactly like factories. It's all about 
a quantitative output an increase in quantitative output regardless of what that quality is that we're seeking to cherish uh, it's it becomes a, a simply a numbers game you know so many people graduate so many people get got enrolled uh, this was the amount of people that passed you know it, it it's it, it doesn't factor in at all the quality of that education or the kinds of activities that people that these incredibly talented uh, young people would be doing ha- had they not gone to school you know so or or had they been engaged in in different kinds of activities or kinds of uh, practices so i think this uh, re- duplication of a model of success that uh, we thought we saw in the industrial revolution is uh, is usually problematic secondly coming on to your point of uh, you know uh, this increase in yield and why uh, and why chemical farming is uh, a problem you know one uh, merely has to look at uh, the budget you know of uh, 2020 and 2021 that was just recently launched by uh, the finance minister wherein the subsidy on fertilizers although it was reduced by a mammoth sum of nearly 10000 crore is still at 73900 crore okay that's just the subsidies on fertilizers not to put things in perspective the amount of money that has uh, gone into uh, sort of uh, promoting the use of agric uh, organic and uh, biological sources of nutrients is a paltry 12.5 crores now that's less than <laughs> that's around 0.01% of the amount of subsidies on fertilizers now we have people like uh, ashok gulati you know he's one of the foremost voices on agriculture in this country who says that uh, quote studies show that stopping the use of chemical based fertilizers to shift to zero budget natural farming can reduce yield by 25 to 50% which may put the country's food security at risk now i mean it's uh, sure while again as you said if you view it in in isolation that probably may or may not be true but if we look at it across a span of not even a, a really long time period but even 5 to 10 years we have lower uh, fertility in the soil we have a more polluted water resource you know so there are a huge amount of problems that come and i think viewing it as uh, 25% to 30% reduction in yield for that one particular year it's a it's a little problematic you know but uh, despite these popular notions i uh, there are many individuals who have thrived uh, carrying out organic farming who have created the kind of produce that is not only nutritious that is not only not damaging and uh, environmentally sustainable but also economically productive so tell us a little bit about these individuals that you have encountered so uh, see i mean uh, just to just to pick up from something about the budget i mean the budget is not really um, budget is a political statement so it actually is not a reflection of reality in some ways uh, it's a reflection of what is perceived to be what is expected by those who have voted um, so in a sense uh, you know nature will probably be smiling at uh, at some of these figures uh, in my mind actually if uh, farmers were to do farming in in a in in the in the way that it's supposed to be done actually they would probably subsidize all of these people they don't need any subsidy yeah. uh, because uh, really nature's abundance is is so amazing that it is almost uh, impossible for human systems to replicate them so the idea that farmers would need 
subsidy from outside is just a, a cruel commentary on the state of affairs uh, once economics and uh, politics and um, bad technology has entered the field of nature. Uh, uh, really speaking, um, it would be much easier. He's probably right, uh, Mr. Gulati, in saying that yields would drop. I mean, you know, if you were to, um, if you were to uh, get uh, an alcoholic off alcohol, uh, it's going to take a while for him to get back to normalcy. So that may be possible. That may be true. But the idea, again, is that it isn't going to happen out of a central way, one method that will get propagated across India. Actually, the whole idea of growing along with nature is to create uh, systems or actually um, uh, nurture system, natural systems that, that uh, operate in individual environments and to actually use that, uh, that existing system uh, of nature to create the kind of um, uh, food that one would like to have. Mm -hmm. so, um, so this idea that you would uh, sp spend now a few uh, thousand or whatever crores on, uh, on on zero budget natural farming is also equally as uh, uh, crazy as trying to uh, push down uh, seventy three thousand nine hundred crores of uh, uh, of uh, fertilizer fertilizer chemical fertilizer. So anyway, I think all of this seems little uh, weird, but uh, the idea is that because we are talking of a contextual shift, actually, it doesn't make sense for us to throw. Uh, evidence, you know, uh, evidence in terms of data at each other because um, uh, the idea is to actually understand what both are saying uh, before one could come to some question of really how the numbers will stack up. Uh, at this point, actually, contextually, the difference is so wide between how chemical uh, farming is done and how what uh, natural farming is based on that it's almost impossible to have a conversation unless there is a certain place for for uh, for absorption of what the other is saying and so i think uh, we can't really stack this up with with uh, throwing evidence at each other but yeah you talked about um, people who have um, have shown that um, um, that it works beautifully uh, it works uh, uh, not only does it work with grace, but it uh, it has uh, it has lots of very good um, uh, evidence in terms of its its outcome. Um, in in the early days, actually, uh, a lot of people would laugh at our attempts to grow uh, food, um, and this was in the uh, early nineties uh, to grow food naturally. Uh, but there were these little beacons in that darkness who who showed us the way, who kind of uh, enabled us to to stay our ground. And you know, of course, Bhaskar Bhai Sawe comes to mind. Uh, apart from, of course, Masanobu Fukuoka, who also was uh, in, uh, also was a friend of India and would visit quite often. And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, get to meet him on several occasions. But uh, Bhaskar Bhai Sawe at his farm. Um, you know, on the border of Gujarat, um, showed us a way to to grow beautiful fruit and um, and uh, field crops 
doing very little, very little uh, external work, just enabling the, the systems of nature to work. Uh, he had a bounty um, in terms of uh, fruit every year, uh, made a decent income and continued to espouse this this way of looking right till his uh, till he passed away uh, in his 90s uh, and uh, and uh, what i can say now that, so like bhaskar bhai sabe there were several others there were at least four or five very good farmers in south india who were again uh, very well established in this uh, in this form of looking at nature and then practicing it uh, there was the the farm in Hoshangabad, uh, the Friends Rural Centre, where again very interesting work was given. Raju Titus in Hoshangabad was a great example of a, of a, of a very uh, good natural farmer. But what I can say now actually, uh, and which I would say is, uh, makes my uh, spirit soar a little bit, is that um, while it would be, uh, we would have to go searching for farmers uh, who would not laugh at us and who would not ridicule the idea of uh, natural farming uh, in those days. Uh, I can say that I get calls almost every week from young people who um, uh, who want to farm. Uh, you know, in, in the old days there would be, I would get these calls from relatives who would say that they were, you know, that they would also like to retire on a farm, you know, that they, to ask me, asking me to look for a farm so that they could buy it and then retire on it after that. I mean, retire on it after they finish work. Uh, but what I, the calls I get now are very different. <laughs> they are people who've left their job, you know, and are now wanting very clearly to do farming. It's like we have left our job for the last three months, and I'm looking for a farm, and I want to get onto the farm tomorrow, uh, today if it's possible. Um, and so we have now a huge, uh, and of course, relative to the mainstream farming, of course, it's still a minuscule number, but compared to what it was 25 years ago, it's a huge number. There's a huge variety of people uh, who are all very, very intensely engaged uh, with farming, with this kind of farming, and uh, who have all kinds of different results. So we must understand that farming itself, I mean, as a, uh, as a vocation has also changed uh, over the last uh, two, three decades. Uh, and so, uh, because of how uh, the whole social scene has changed, it is not necessary now to derive entire incomes from farming. Uh, these people are talented, they have many other um, uh, abilities. And if you can create uh, an environment in your farm that uh, that is conducive to all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, it's like you can get people together, you can train people, uh, you can uh, get people to get experiential uh, learning uh, at the farm. I mean, there are so many different things that you could do on a farm because essentially the farm is now like an oasis compared to the cities. It's really a place where you can learn uh, at a level uh, and in a depth which is, which is Im almost impossible in the, in the very, very sterile kind of environment of the city. So if you want to really get close to nature, I mean, so, so what I'm saying is that actually it's much easier if you are able to get really clearly see the, the value of what uh, natural farming is about. So it's not anymore about farming, it's actually about 
understanding nature and then creating a life around the design that nature has already provided and that is a a very different kind of activity as opposed to this whole idea of this hard labor in the sun uh, which farming was associated with and so uh, uh, you know the 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 transition from uh, having farmers like uh, baskar bhai sawe to the kind of farmers that are now coming up uh, and i see more and more of them uh, we are talking of a different scene and it gives me great joy to see that um, people are seeing that you know you don't need to copy the exact model of what a farm was actually what you need to understand is that uh, nature is a huge crucible uh, of all kinds of productivity and uh, being just around that enables you to actually create source of income of course it's still difficult for the traditional farmer to to take this route because he still uh, that whole two or three generations of farmers actually got stuck in that whole you know uh the whole rigor of of you know of of what a toil farming was and then lost the ability to actually develop other dimensions uh, actually lost the ability more i would i would say really that they didn't have the chance to actually create any other dimensions for themselves so overworked were they but uh, but i still feel that every almost every farmer i have met i see so many little aspects of him that he could create uh, as part of the design of his farm and i think so that's really what i look forward to the creating a new design of farm which is not really based only on uh, the production of food just like a factory is it's not single dimensional but it's actually like a beehive of of life and and so many different things could happen uh, centered around a farm or a, or a set of farms and uh, it is very interesting because communities are developing around farms and and so we are seeing a complete redesign in that sense of uh, our whole idea our whole notion of what uh, a farm constituted and now it's come pretty far away from the idea that you want to convert a, a farm into a fam, uh, factory in fact the new thought seems to be that is it possible to convert a factory into more like a farm mm-hmm. uh, and to make it a hobby hive of activity rather than just of production so i think to me uh, i mean uh, not enough maybe but uh, it's still going the right way yeah and just to hark back sort of to uh, ashok gulati statement because it's very indicative of uh, the common thought process uh, you know just to draw an analogy it would be akin to saying that an athlete will you know jump 20% higher or run 20% faster if you fill him up with a bunch of steroids but you know that really affects the quality of life that that uh, uh, athlete will end up having if not right now then you know 2 sure. 3 years from now sure. but uh, coming back uh, to your statement about tell me a little bit about communities the what kind of communities have you uh, been lucky enough to be a part of what communities have you sort of helped shape what communities do exist in uh, in this farming so, sphere um, so because uh, so technology has provided this whole idea of this whole universal access you know and uh, everyone's uh, you know uh, uh, whatsapp message away <clears throat> what has happened out of that is that um, it's made possible for non co-located individuals to actually uh, get together Uh, because their interests um, aligned uh, they may not be the same interests but they seem to be aligned in a way that they could be
be together in in more than one way and so uh, i know i i i realized that uh, one of the things that technology has provided is this ability to actually reach out and meet people who you may not have met if this uh, technology was not available um and so uh, you have a generation that is fairly uh, well conversant with this kind of technology and they use it well and so you know for example just simply the idea that uh, people could come to your farm and work as interns and then go off uh, to me uh, a community is no more uh, again a co-located uh, entity it's actually um, it's actually uh, uh, people who are uh, connected uh, for through various dimensions it's not just a matter of uh, one particular interest uh, so now somebody who's uh, interned with me on the farm goes abroad and stays actually suddenly he's talking about this farm in some other context with somebody else and then that person becomes interested and so suddenly you know uh, people are connecting who are not supposed to connect uh, so i mean this possibility has has risen in a in a huge way and i think it's it's a great boon because many of the people who actually are now interested in turning things around in the in this field are all people who are not in the uh, in the forefront of many activities they are people who actually uh, backpedaled and and actually tried to create a different design for themselves so they are not prominent people who you could get access to directly but because of the t- of technology they have been able to find each other and actually get together on on many various fronts um either stay together in a community where people could uh you know banwadi is such a wonderful experience where a uh, bunch of people all really environmentally very very sensitive people uh, have created a you know 65 70 acres of of amazing lush uh, land which was actually pretty much uh, beat uh, when they took it up and they meet every now and then there's a whole community of uh, locals who are now associated with that farm with that whole activity and it's beautiful because if you go on the land you see how amazingly resurgent this whole activity has has uh, been for the area and it's uh, not only the environment but also the people around it so uh, to me the idea of a community now is no more like uh, that you need to have uh, you know single dimensions of interest actually many different people can get together and it becomes very interesting because uh, you have people of interest uh, uh, well you have interest in uh, in subjects that are common and then you have interests which are not common and then suddenly other people develop interest in those subjects uh, but all of this can happen very nicely at a farm because uh, the farm has the ability to actually absorb uh, these kind of differences you know the the design of cities is not, is less capable of dealing with that and then nature because just being in nature allows you to be a little more adaptive and that allows a little more ability to connect with that which you are not familiar with uh, and i think um, and so i feel that there is a great future uh, in in creating communities around farms uh, or around forests and you're seeing that again uh, you see this in pondicherry there are lots of such uh, little communities that are coming up Uh, that have been coming up for the last 2 3 decades 
there are many many examples across india and i feel it's just going to keep increasing uh, uh, you know as people realize that they can actually have a great life uh, and uh, uh, great life not only just in terms of just earning lots of money which they would do in the city but have a great life on many dimensions they could have a great health they could have great friendships they could have great relationships they could have uh, activities that they could never indulge in except uh, you know if they spend a lot of money and they could do that for free so i mean you you have a life design that's evolving that is very very different from what we learned as a standard life design uh, you know uh, as you grew up in the in the 60s and 70s so i think there's great future for for this new kind of community that's developing and i i'm very very uh, bullish on that i think it will be a great uh, uh, it's happening and i think more will happen well that's at least someone's optimistic about the future that's always nice uh lastly i just have to ask you one question uh and uh, it's a fairly loaded question so uh last question the last question has to be really loaded yeah <laughs> can't let you off so easy uh if you had to i mean i know these things are typically very abstract but if you had to what would you say based on your experience based on your unearthing of uh the aspect of farming and you know all your lessons that you've learned what according to you is development because uh, as far as i know no one really knows what development is people uh sort of have a vague idea of which way it should go uh and then they they kind of follow whoever's being the loudest about their idea of development but uh, uh, as far as i see as far as my eyes see i don't see a lot of development uh, as i think of it happening so just if you could tell us what you think is development and uh, if if any development can be unsustainable you know we say sustainable development as if there's some other kind of development but uh, whether development can ever be unsustainable yeah so i think uh, terminology wise we screwed up big time you know now you have something called organic farming i mean farming means organic i mean yeah. the, that which is not organic farming is factory uh, so we've got a lot of those funny um, uh, notions of terminology uh, kind of uh, little short circuited in our mind uh, so that's true that uh, i mean what sense does it make to have uh, development that's not sustainable but i think um, uh, since it's an abstract question i might as well give a uh, what could be considered to be a abstract answer but you know what i would i feel that um, a lot of things that happen now um, in modern society are based on ideas uh, uh, so there are ideas that people chase um there uh, there abstractions of um, uh, so without any real personal experience these are ideas that are to be chased outside of themselves and to me i think one of the things that has happened out of uh, being close with nature for many years uh, is that you realize that actually development doesn't happen outside uh, development happens a lot inside actually as you develop uh, uh and an inner growth happens actually the choices that you make change uh, the choices that you make uh, are more accommodating you realize that actually uh, uh your notions of abundance change your notion of uh, what constitutes um uh, uh, 
growth and and riches all of that kind of changes and what happens out of that i feel is that um, the reason why i feel that uh, it is very difficult to have development that is sustainable in current times is because all of that development is about changing something outside and uh, i think uh, truly um, the real change will happen outside uh, but only after something has changed inside if nothing changes inside then what changes outside continues to um, to create hunger in the inside and therefore it is almost impossible to complete that loop and to rest and to feel rested and so i feel till there is inner growth and till there is that inner feeling that there is satiation which is possible with very little material uh, uh, input uh, it will be, it is difficult to actually reach that kind of development across uh, society so i mean i you know it's like um uh, it, it's almost seems see if you again it's a contextual question so if you were to uh, have a view that we need to create stuff on the outside so that uh, development will happen for those that are that are unprivileged uh, to to them actually it would seem like a, an empty dream to to look at in on on growth on the inside but i feel that it is almost impossible to make development sustainable if the pursuit is on the outside and uh, uh, to me even the one that is hungry i don't know if any of you have gone to uh, the the annual pilgrimage that runs from that walks from alandi to pandarpur every year but these are the poorest people they are people who cannot afford to take 15 days off uh, but they have been doing that all their life and if you ask them whether they would drop that for any any money set of money i am not sure that they would agree uh, maslow for some reason said that you know that uh, inner growth is something that would uh, beseech human beings only after all their other material needs were fulfilled and i think i see 700000 people walking 250 kilometers every year uh, as evidence that that it doesn't work at all so to me actually developing on the inside uh, i feel that systems are not very conducive for that kind of development and one of the reasons is because actually you are chasing something outside and so therefore time is always of the essence time is always short and uh, none of this inner growth is possible with that kind of uh, time horizon so to me uh, slowing down uh, reducing uh, reducing turmoil on the outside is crucial for you to really create development and if you see really what happens out of uh, human beings that have developed on the outside you see the kind of development that is sustainable um, if you see sustainable development around uh, a vinoba bhave you shouldn't be surprised because whoever he touched actually he touched on a sustainable basis that is uh, sustainable development uh, you know uh, building huge uh, urban infrastructure which will crumble uh, uh, you know which will uh, not allow people to uh, to create that kind of inner developmental uh, 
uh, environments, uh, I'm not sure it will lead to sustainability. So I'm, I'm, my suggestion is always that, is it possible for you to find time to create a space in your life so that development happens on the inside and then watch the kind of choices that you make and see whether they will affect what one calls even conventionally development. Uh, and my, uh, my experience has been that it very, very crucially affects uh, what one can constitute even conventionally to be development. And not only that, but it also leads to much better micro environments, whether it's in homes, whether it's in workplaces, people who have had the time to look on the inside and to allow their inner growth to proliferate, uh, you notice that there's a small micro island of, uh, of consciousness where actually the development is more sustainable than, uh, than we would if we you know, did something that is more conventional. <coughs> um, the idea is not actually to espouse this. This is just uh, uh, my response to your question more than... Uh, so it's something that one has to experience uh, in order to uh, verify whether it is true or not. Uh, so it can't be really... I can't really say that I would recommend that everybody do that because uh, as a recommendation, it's not really as worthy as something that is as a discovery for people. So as one discovers that... Uh, that really the place where growth uh, and development is sustained is only on the inside. On the outside, uh, you know, everything will is, is meant to, to to last only for that much and, and, and cost only that much. So. Wow. Well, I think that's a wonderful note to end on. Uh, we've basically given you the way to live a good life. So <laughs> maybe I can stop doing this podcast already. Uh, all right. Thank you so much, Mr. Gorpade. Uh, thank you, Maite. It was wonderful talking uh, and reliving, uh, you know, 20-some uh, years of, uh, of all kinds of crazy action. Yeah. Maybe in another 20 years, we can have another of these podcasts. Yes. Yeah, maybe much less. Maybe, maybe much less. Maybe Let's hope so. Lots of interesting stuff. So maybe. Yeah. Maybe much before that too. So all the best to you for your podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. God bless. Bye.